Alrighty, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I, um, uh, uh, hey, what was I talking about? Nothing. You just started the episode. Good point. Well said. Hey, I uh, just wanted to find out how you guys are doing on this uh, week's um, this week in the world of what's happening. And, um, you know, I was uh, talking to an aunt of mine, talking to an aunt of mine, talking to an aunt of mine, and it almost seems like the world has this cycle of crazy shit that keeps coming, right? Um, and and we're seeing this, of course, there are four main things, maybe. Now, what are the common things? It's obviously flooding. Um, and then we have, um, obviously, the cyclones, the, the hurricanes. Hurricane? Hurricane? Hurricane. And, uh, oh, sorry, guys, this fucking computer's talking. <laughs> no absolutely no respect my computer to me just talks when i'm talks over me so yeah we have tornado no so we have the cyclones and hurricanes we have the the heavy rains and then we have flooding landslides as a result so water-based stuff like lube um then you have we don't have fire right i have fires of course uh, in that uh, california a lot of fires are happening from barbecues um then you have Pretty much those two. Uh, Wind-based stuff, I think wind and water go. It's like almost like I'm trying to understand if we can come up with a new version of Captain, Captain Planet, but they're bad. They've gone um, from their planet-saving activities. Uh, they got disillusioned with the entire environmental movement and they became junkies. Um, they kind of met, they saw Greta Thunberg and they're like, fuck this. Uh, she's really preachy, annoying me. Um, or they're like, oh, she can do it, or whatever it may be, whatever fucks teenagers up. And they're like, ah, screw it. It all, it all sucks. It's all a conspiracy. And they got into like, uh, I don't know, maybe the guy who was, um, so the, the five guys, remember? There was the, um, the, the black guy who was Earth, because of course, color. Uh, there was the, <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Then there was the Earth guy. There was the wind guy, the gas guy, call him. There was earth, fire, wind, water, and heart, right? Of course, heart being, I think, a native guy because, of course, they have no say because none of the writers in the show were native Americans. There was wind. I think that was the guy. There was water. There was, that's the girl. There was fire. So there's one hot chick. There's also one hot chick. There was a show when I was growing up called Johnny Quest, and there was a really hot chick called Jessie. Of course, she was animated. But, whoa, man, my quest so <laughs> really ended there uh, for my Johnny. But... So yeah, I was thinking, what if that shit went bad, right? So maybe those kids really lost perspective, got disillusioned with the entire environmental campaign and Captain Planet ended up being a pedophile. So they were like, fuck this, dude. I, I can't believe I had this ring uh, which I could do so much with and they've messed up and that's why we experienced all this. So it's not global warming. It's the Captain Planet family gone wild. Yeah, that'll be a really good show. Like Girls Gone Wild. Captain Planet gone wild. So every week you'll have one element, like the like fire guy. And that's happening. If you think about it, you have the forest fires, the sequoia forest uh, being burned down. Uh, then you have, yeah, it happened, something happened in, in India, in Kashmir, at the Amarnath uh, pilgrimage site. There was another flash flood, a lot of people. And why do people keep going back? I don't understand. It's every year, same time. I, I mean, I have no issues with you guys going on a pilgrimage, but every year. And... Um, it, it's almost like shit, dude. It's, just go ahead and do it, you know. Just the Captain Planet family will take care of its elements, and 
just reduce the population by say yeah yeah go 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 just between this it's almost like the travel agencies these people who plan these pilgrimages these travel tours are in sync with either the family the captain planet family or the environment and they're just like yeah make sure it happens at this time we'll fuck it up we'll we'll, we'll unleash the elements yeah looks like it but uh, there's no maybe you need to add new elements like how the 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 universe of these superheroes grows you need to add more elements which are more relevant um like you have the social media powers like anxiety depression um you have the other things like racism or you have things like gun control and wars and um fossil fuels so think about it any of you are uh, inclined because i have the ideas I just am fucking lazy so you as you guys know I'm not going to sit down and write a script and pitch it to one of these stupid bastards like Amazon or Prime or Sony or Netflix who are just like no but what about your social media following what about your social media footprint I'm like oh, fuck yourself you executive who's no clue about creativity not at all bitter so you guys if you if you are more inclined go ahead and do this and I'll totally not back you because it's my idea but no jokes apart I think uh, just another week in the world and i am going to continue living because uh, i talk about my aunt yes that's where i started and look where i went she's getting old and she's like i'm going to lose my memory i'm going to lose my memory i'm worried i'm losing my mind i'm losing my memory i'm like you know this is something that a lot of human people human people do yes not the human beings the human people they are so caught up in the idea of losing something that they don't enjoy that and when they forget uh, when, when it's gone like memory when it's gone you're not going to look back and go oh, i shouldn't have worried about losing my memory because you're not going to remember that you lost your memory how fucked up is that so what does that lesson have to say 21 lessons for the 21st century yeah it's a song by bts uh, by the way uh, so there's no moral in that just telling you uh, but speaking of bts so as you guys know my wife and i have a baby and my wife just came back home with our baby so i'm very happy that they are home uh, yeah it's beautiful having a little girl a baby girl and uh, sleep a little less but it's perfectly fine but i was like one night she she goes to sleep earlier with baby's timings and then she's like what are you doing what are you watching in the night and i was like oh i can't tell you she's like come on dude it's gross there's a baby i'm like no i can't yeah guys i started this is my nighttime routine before i sleep i have to watch a couple of bts videos <laughs> I'm not proud of it but it's become I can't control it. Uh smooth like butter. Yeah. If this becomes a reason for you to sign off this podcast I'm sorry. I know I let you down. But man I like that song. So I apologize for you non BTS fans but they're breaking up. <laughs> no, not that crazy dude but it's just that it's it's um it's a tang. So anyhow um uh, I have a lovely guest on today's episode as always uh Kayla Nguyen I hope I get it right Kayla uh she's a PhD student I mean she she's a PhD she's she's a I don't know what the right word PhD fellow she's right now in her doctorate ah, I don't know the right word I'm not qualified to give her an introduction but anyway she's a PhD fellow she's a, she's a PhD she's not a PhD she's she's a person she's a woman she's a PhD um focusing her research in using electron microscopes in um, basically going down to the atomic level understanding atomic structures various things within that atomic thing uh, how to apply them to the real world to real problems and understanding um, to get more clarity um, 
of these things between levels, atomic levels. I'm, I'm doing a horrible job of the introduction, but you guys will get it. It's, it's basically to do with atoms. It's to do uh, uh, with how they can be used and understood better to affect medicine, to affect biology, biology, <laughs> God, just scrap this intro, to affect biology, to affect uh, various things that you and I are affected by. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Kayla lives in Illinois. We talk about her experience being an Asian woman in the present uh, climate in America. I'm not talking about summer. I'm talking about, of course, the entire anti-Asian sentiment and all these various horrible things happening. Um, lovely conversation with a very uh, smart and um, lovely human being. So do enjoy my conversation. I'm sure you will. I think the introduction was not really something that uh, introductions should sound like, but you know who I am and how I am. But trust me on this great, great conversation with a lovely person and you will enjoy it. And as always, I hope you're well. Do share this episode with someone and with everyone, with your mom, with her mom, with your dog and your dog's mom. So take care of yourselves. Enjoy this. And till next side, next side, till the next time. Goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Catch you on the other side. Cheers. Kayla Nguyen, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. Lovely. So it's, uh, again, one of these situations where it's morning for you, it's evening for me. I'm very excited that we're uh, at this point where we are connecting and uh, talking about a topic which I'm totally uneducated about, but I want to know what you specialize in and study and what you've developed and what you put out in the market for uh, science enthusiasts out there. And for those of us who are not really keyed into the scientific developments. I think you're a great person to help us um, on this episode. But um, I mean, first of all, you, you were telling me before we started recording about this, uh, about your, your last name and, and the nuance of how it's pronounced. So could you tell my listeners who didn't have the chance of the sneak peek uh, about about that? Oh, yeah. So my last name is um, spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. Mm -hmm. um, but in Vietnamese, we pronounce it wing. And um, but it's Romanized because um, French colonialism came to Vietnam and they decided to Romanize the language. Originally, it was written characters similar to Chinese characters. Right. And so because of the Romanization and because of the French, and it's also a total language, what happens is that you have all these letters in my name, but you kind of don't pronounce most of them. And so instead of saying like Gu Yen or whatever you would pronounce phonetically, you just yeah. say it Nguyen and that's it. Yeah, it's kind of... Funny. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because, uh, and the reason I asked you that is, it, it's, it's you know, a lot of people say, what's in a name, right? And you kind of, especially now, since you're in America, I, I know Indians who sort of taken their lengthy name and shortened it because it's easier for their uh, colleagues to pronounce it or to address them. But uh, I was talking to this, um, th th this, this reverend from Zambia, right? And he was talking about how the empowerment of keeping your name because there's an entire resurgence or rather not a reclamation um, movement where people are trying to get and recognize their original African name, for instance, because uh, one of the things that colonizers do or the colonial structure does is take away a name. And this is something it sounds like what they've done because there is probably a lot of meaning and there's a lot of tradition beyond uh, behind a certain name given to a family or to a certain um group of people in a certain region and by taking that away you kind of say oh it's convenient but I'm not saying in today's day and age but it was done many years back but 
uh, I, I'm, I'm the reason I, that's why I brought it up about your your last name. And uh, right now, for you, you're, you're sitting in Chicago, and there was um, um, a horrific thing that happened a few weeks back on the Fourth of July, right, with the uh, parade and the shootings, and 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 even um, if I'm not mistaken, a few. Uh, weeks before that, the whole um, Korean band BTS meeting President Biden and Kamala Harris about this whole um, Asian inclusion and the entire movement, which is trying to sort of prevent hate crimes against Asians. So, what what is it been? How has it been for you over the past few months? And I mean, past few years maybe, but more specifically with all these tensions heating up and the entire sentiment in in with post COVID against Asians. Um, yeah. Um, well. I guess like there's a lot of layers to that question and I want to make sure that I'm answering in a way that comes off as really effective because with situations like this, like, you know, obviously with COVID, there's so many things going on. There have been a lot of deaths around the world because of this pandemic. And, you know, it's hard for us to lose focus of what was like the origins of all these problems. And then, mm-hmm. You know, with all these um, things going on, there's a lot of frustration. And it's very easy to find somebody or something to take your frustration on. Um, unfortunately, it just had to be a group of people that, you know, people assume caused these problems. But obviously, because it's a pandemic, you know, these things aren't made by certain people. And so we have all these um, hate crimes and racism and it, you know, stems back from a lot of things like if it wasn't um, started in China or um, if the first discovery of it wasn't in Asia, it could have been anywhere else. I think that that's one of the really scary things is that people can't disentangle a disease or a pandemic from its origins. And I think that was really not great. And and then all of this, you know, led to a lot of um, just racism against um, Asian Americans uh, who had, you know, who like were raised and born in the US so mm. had no uh, influence on whatever was going on. And I think I think it was really, I think the hardest part for me was the um, was the racism against Asian women in particular, um, especially in New York City. I think um, I was really hurt when, um, you know, the story of the woman who was pushed off of the subway platform into a moving train because she was Asian American and somebody thought that it was okay. Like there has just been a lot of violence against Asian women. And I just feel that we should really talk about that. And as a society, we just, you know, we say it, you know, but you know they are targeting certain people and they're murdering people you know just because they think if they're easy targets um and it's sort of or you know with highland park shooting there was a man who was dressed as a woman and was just shooting randomly i think that i think that as a society ourselves we are really frustrated and so if we can just talk about our frustration if we can just like have a conversation or at least educate one another about what's going on. And I think that if we're willing to listen to one another, I think a lot of these problems could be solved just by talking and listening. But mm. obviously, um, 
there are still things going on and there's no easy fix for a very complicated and layered um, situation such as um, the after effects of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, I find it fascinatingly upsetting. I don't know if that's even the right way to express that because I lived for a few years in um, in, in the U.S. It was for, for my undergrad in the Northwest in, in, in a small town in Oregon. And, you know, obviously... It was just little slice. Lewis and Clark? Did, did you go to uh, Lewis No, and Clark? I went to small, like Lewis and Clark. It was a liberal arts okay. college called Linfield, Linfield College. Okay. Um, okay, cool. Awesome. And it was it was lovely. You know, I mean, I have absolutely wonderful memories from, from college. My college was about 1,600 people, and I think there were probably less than 5% colored people, um, which I never felt threatened at any point. You know, I never, the, the town was predominantly a, co- I mean, it was a college town, but a lot of, it was also rural, a rural town, right? It wasn't really attached to a suburb of Portland. It was kind of like a small place where um, predominantly farming um, and, and, and the mindset was, of course, of a small town. And people owned guns, people went hunting. I never felt like I was um, under threat. But the new, the context in America, which I, I haven't been for a few years, but it's very scary when you um, when you want to look at someone and instead of saying they're American or they're, they're, they're a human being, you kind of look for the difference immediately. And and the reason I, I noticed now when I went last was in 2016 to San Francisco and I felt like people are trying to be different, like with whatever, whether it's what they eat, whether they look different, whether they are um, punk or whether they're tattooing up, whatever this thing, they're trying to find uh, traits which are different. Now, I think each individual wants to be different, but I'm just trying to get to a point where um, I know Indians, uh, American um, Indians, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Native Americans, but they're Indians from America who are born there like you, uh, who, who's uh, Asian born in America. And it's very confusing for them because they don't know if they are American or whether they're Indian. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, I want to ask you that because this whole thing of racism, it seems like one group always gets the brunt of it, right? Like early on, many many years back, it was the Italians, the Irish, the Polish. So that sort of subsided. Then the Asians came in and then um, closer to our history, like I'm sure with, with the Vietnamese after the, the Vietnam War, they experienced a lot of racism then. But then, of course, you had 9-11 and then brown people, especially Arabs had it. Then black people had another resurgence of racism. So it seems... I, I don't know, what, what does it feel? Because I'm, I'm not an American. I lived for a few years and I was protected by living on a university co- college campus. But for you as an Asian, I mean, it's more specifically a Vietnamese, um, but who's born and brought up in America, what are the values that you would say are American? And in what sort of list or priority would you say you have to do a trade-in way of like, I have to take these many things which make me Vietnamese, these many things that I have to sort of make that make me American, whatever that means. I don't know what it means to be American. But what is the sort of mix? Because I feel a lot of times people are lost. They, they're neither here nor there. So what has the experience for you been? Um, so I'm actually going to answer this with a conversation I had with my friend who's from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recently had, um, so she um, started school at um, a university in, in Chicago and um you know, we were talking about like the concept of Asian American, Italian American, and um, just like ethnic, like Americans in general. And then she said that in Brazil, um, 
even if you your family's from Taiwan, you are considered Brazilian. Like there's no such thing as like Chinese Brazilian or Japanese Brazilian. You're just considered Brazilian. It just sounds absurd when you just said that. It's like what? Like <laughs> like yeah, you wouldn't say a black Indian or an African Indian like when they come to here. Yeah, it's just it just it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, when you think about it, okay, so um so why are we um separating but why are we also being inclusive at the same time mm. and so you know that so then when i thought about it i think that you know as americans we are all like americans um and you know being asian american being vietnamese american um what we are doing is we're sort of um you know keeping part of our culture and owning that but also you know owning our part as an american in the us and um you know when it comes to consensus it's really important to um disentangle certain information because what happens is that if you uh, group people together there are situations and there are backgrounds that you miss when you kind of group people together but when you kind of separate them then you know then you're being a little bit exclusive so the question is um how can we be inclusive but then still consider ourselves like part of a whole and i think that's really a i think that's kind of in a way a personal choice like whether you consider mm. yourself like 50% american and 50% vietnamese or 100% american because you were born and raised here um or because you've immigrated here when you were 18 years old but you lived here your whole entire life until you're like 80 like are you an american or are you um you know are your ties somewhere else and to me i think that is more of a personal choice i think that what you identify yourself as you know how they say that sexuality is a spectrum gender is a spectrum and so is your identity and that's okay i don't think there's anything wrong with that i that's absolutely true because i think um i see a a, a trend now where people like even the indian americans are trying to come back and find their roots and they're trying to wear indian clothes and they're like oh i don't like it when people you know they just i'm just giving a random example not a true story but they say things like oh it's you know when 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 uh say a white woman wears a sari and a bindi i find it offensive i'm like this is the problem this is the space which gets a little irritating or annoying or a little troublesome because it's it's almost like the words cultural appropriation are thrown around so loosely when there are actual issues where a person's culture is taken away and wiped away because uh what we see is happening in Ukraine with Russia it's like no one understands the cultural context but they just say oh it's it's an invasion of course i i i'm not a, i'm not a political scientist or an international relations expert but that's when you know words like cultural appropriation are severely um contemplated because that's when a, a, you know a na- nations that are so vastly intertwined for m- thousands of years are being sort of you know taken in 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 the stride of you know geopolitics and and at the same time you have someone say oh i don't like it when someone wears does yoga it's like okay what is the important what isn't important right but like for you when you, you what does it mean like when when someone says are you asian american or are you vietnamese asian what, what are the values that you embrace as an american because of course for you that is home you're a citizen of the united states so what is something that you appreciate let's instead of looking at the negative and the separation that's going on but what do you, what's something that keeps you content and keeps you grounded as i'm proud or i'm so grateful to be an american um well i can't help 
when people identify me as an American or Asian American, because obviously I look Asian, so mm. I can't even lie, you know. Yeah. Um, but I am American because if you meet me, um, it's very obvious. <laughs> That's what people say. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you meet I people like that... me. I didn't even know you were Asian. I thought your last name was more of a, um, I don't know what it was, actually. That's why I was like, Somnath, have you spelled her last name right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. And, and honestly, my last name has been misspelled so many times mm. and mispronounced that it's gone to a point where it's okay. Like, I'm not really that mad. Like, yeah. um, you know, if you see something different and you kind of made like, like a full, like, 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 you know, like you pronounced something differently, like I would do the same thing, right? If I pr were pronouncing somebody's Indian first or last name yeah and you know before that i usually apologize yeah. because i know i will mispronounce it but like sometimes like um this is really funny i just thought of a lyric to a song it's um do you know careless whisper by george michael oh my god yes <laughs> why didn't you tell okay, me this at the beginning so, of the conversation <laughs> so, yeah so 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 in, in in his song he says to the heart of and mind ignorance is kind and so mm, i'm just mm playing off this ignorance because I know that I will hopefully um, not make a mistake, but in actuality, I will. But it's totally fine. That's why I asked you, you know, at the beginning, how do I pronounce yeah. your name? Because it's NGU and I, I don't know the full spelling, but it's like, for instance, I, I told you about the, the, the Zambian reverend, his name, last name was Mumbazi. And I was like, no way am I going to get this right. So it was spelled M-W-A-M-B-A-Z-I. And I'm like, how do you pronounce it? Right? And it's, it's something you learn. It's like Mumbazi. It's like cool. So I thought maybe your name is something similar. I'm like, oh, I, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a cool pronunciation. And it is. And that's why I wanted to talk about your name, even though the idea is to talk about your science and the focus. I mean, I'm like, these things are as relevant as opposed to just the thing that you are spending your time studying. And speaking of that, now yeah. you go into um, the atomic level and the molecular yeah. level and yeah. you look at something which is so vastly fundamental to the existence of life in some ways or the universe in many ways. So when you look at these superficial separations and you look at the thing and I think in your talk which you gave you talk about the small which is so vast and the vast that is so small which I think is a beautiful way of capturing this entire conversation and also capturing what's going on in the world so when you are studying something which is electrons and you're looking at it such a level how the electrons can sort of understand these things in the in the human body or how medic medicine can be benefited from it and all these things which of course I'd like you to talk about what what is your thing how do you get perspective on society when you're in the lab or wherever you do your research and you have such a drill down focus on this in this area and then you sort of re-immerse yourself in society and you're like wait a second we're all on the atomic level the same right yeah um so i guess like before i start is it okay if i just kind of talk about what i do first yes and please <laughs> so it, yeah. it gives it a lot of context so yeah um I'm a scientist, and what I do is I use a microscope, con electron microscope, to take pictures of individual atoms, mm -hmm. which makes us up uh, basically everything in the universe. And um, the reason why studying these atomic structures are really important is because um, we can develop better technologies, like better, faster computers, because um, the interface between um, computer devices are just a couple of atomic unit cell cross mm. or um, drugs that we develop to um, deliver medicine into the bodies. They're also really small. And if we can understand um, at the atomic level, these sort of protein structures, we can also um, make better 
medicine to cure diseases. And um, for in my research, what I did um, was I uh, built a detector that is much better than all the other detectors around. And mm -hmm. that gives us more information than what we had before. And from that, we can utilize this information. And so, um, and so right now um, in my work, I take, I'm trying to push imaging resolution beyond, you know, the current resolution that we have. And I'm looking at these atomic structures called um, two-dimensional um, dicalginides. They're, I, um, in 2010, there was this Nobel Prize for graphene. They're just like mm. a single atomic layer of material. Mm. And if you take two materials and you stack them together, you make these really interesting moray structures. And mm. so um, recently, um, I was looking at my data and, um, and I was thinking about um, Islamic art um, because a lot of these, um, a lot of my structures, they have these sort of patterns that are, are very similar to Islamic art where you have these structures that you can either draw hexagons, pentagons, because atomic structures are just made up of shapes that look like squares, hexagons, pentagons, octagons. And then, but what you do is there's just a tessellation of these structures. And so if you kind of um, just add them next to each other, they give you sort of this sort of infinite space of just shapes. And mm. in Islamic art, it's very similar to that. It's just a tessellation of shapes that represents kind of a sense of infinity. And so, um, and so I thought that was really inspiring um, when I learned more about the origins of that, of the art, do, yeah. Do, do you think that, you know, because there are a lot of, you know, studies, a lot of revelations in that space where we, you know, if someone looks at, say, go uh, the, the Stonehenge or someone looks at the, the pyramids or um, ancient architecture or someone looks at astronomy from certain uh, ancient civilizations or um, someone talks about, say, the golden ratio. So do you think these people, these groups, these these cultures, these these ancient art forms, do you think they were aware of these things or is it sort of a coincidence? That's a really good question. It's also very deep because mm. I think that human form, we can reduce ourselves into like shapes like or spheres. Mm. And um, what's really interesting about the atomic structures is that we can also reduce it to shapes like square circles, hexagon, pentagons, and also spheres. Mm. Um, and so I think that, you know, um, like, for example, math, like math was developed in the ancient world, like this sort of the way that we look at math or algebra mm. and things like that. Like all these sort of concepts were developed in the ancient world that come out very naturally that we mm. see now in like modern physics or modern um, science. And to to connect, for example, what was what was mathematically proven to what we can actually see now, I think I find that really amazing. Like, mm. I'm not sure if when people were doing it, they were predicting some sort of um, some sort of scientific breakthrough, but they mm. were using the resources that they had to understand the world around them. And that's essentially what we're doing. Mm. We're, um, we're building models to understand what's around us. And so were the people when they look at um, the constellation or they look at the stars, you know, um, they were building models that they can see around them to explain the universe. 
Yeah, you and know, we're still yeah. asking for this. We're still asking the same questions, to yeah. be honest. Even though we have a lot of new tools and new mm. understanding. Yeah, I find the reason I asked you that is because I find it fascinating when you read about, say, like the the Vedic science, or you read about certain uh, designs of <laughs> yeah. uh, the mantras and how the power of the vibration affects on the atomic level, and how we are constantly in vibration, and these things resonate and make more space within the body. I'm obviously making it into a much more simplified form of it. I, I that's what I understand, but it's 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 amazing what it does because. Uh, then you look at medicine and they say there's a certain reason why certain diseases are there because of whatever it may be, the lack of space or these 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 atomic structures are um, the shapes that are supposed to be uh, for the best way uh, for this organism to function are out of sync. And, uh, it's, it's amazing how, if it is, I mean, most likely it is, how they arrived at these discoveries and how they designed certain practices to help you keep, and of course for us it's our immediate concern is our physical body and physical mind and then once we look past that it's the next sort of plane of consciousness if you want to go down that path but even that just to keep a healthy body in mind it's crazy how we in today's day and age with all the modernization with all these advancements of understanding our environment are still so distracted from something which um of course i'm not saying it's good or bad but it's the the, the reality is that while we know a lot more we seem to be doing more harm to this physical organism right <laughs> yeah um you know we only have one practice try in life and whatever we do we just have to take our chance right yeah like in the words of yoda do or do not there is no try <laughs> yeah, so, yeah um um i think that i i think that you know we could i think like so i'm not a medical doctor so i can't yeah. um say anything about like my knowledge of medicine i'm I'm really just a scientist who uses electrons to take pictures and makes detectors. Yeah. But what what I can really say from from my research is that the things that happen on the atomic level or on the nanometer level mm. affects everything else, yeah. just as a big thing affects like another big thing. The yeah. small things are really important, and I think that if we overlook these details then we're missing the whole entire picture because that's kind of where the origins of everything starts from yeah and, and that's what fascinates me you know because i don't know anything and i think a lot of people just are so bored out of these concepts in school because they're like oh are you crazy atomic no it's just it's too small i can't see it what's the point right uh, but that's something which i think is mind-blowing because it's uh what you're studying through these visuals on that level while it might not be uh, visible to the naked eye and all of us we talk about high resolution phones and things and you're going to another level of high resolution um what is it that and the thing when you talk about atoms or atomic level it's usually bombs right the atomic bomb in the, but how can we um and you spoke about it briefly, but maybe in something in, in terms that people listening could sort of apply to daily life or to the future of this planet or how we can leverage this is why would, uh, how could someone harness this information and leverage it, whether it be, you, you mentioned briefly about medical uh, developments and how we can understand it on, on a metomic level, but uh, what are some of the practical applications of this uh, discovery on an atomic level? Right. Um, so for example, your computers, that's one thing. Mm. Um, um, right now, if you compare it to how much data we can store in a tiny flash drive um, about maybe like 10 years ago versus now, 
the way that we're making these um, bits for memory storage, it's getting smaller and smaller mm. um, than what we had before. And because we're making them smaller and smaller, we're using a lot of technologies in order to do research to make them smaller and smaller. Um, mm. One big thing that's going on right now is quantum computing, com- mm. quantum information. Um, for our tip, like for example, there are algorithms where it could take a regular computer like 10 years, but it'll take a quantum computer um, like maybe like 10 seconds to figure out. And wow. so, okay. you know, <laughs> being a- able to do like quantum computing, um, you need to understand things on the atomic level because you're developing these sort of uh, qubit systems that does these operations. And you want to make sure that the devices are very clean, the interfaces, um, you know, you have a lot of coherence. Coherence is a thing it means um, how long you can um, calculate your um, computing in your qubit system. And so coherence gives you a length scale of how long that calculation can be. And what people mm. are doing now is they're trying to improve coherence time so they can um, do longer calculations and more difficult calculations that are really important. And so um, in order to understand what's going on, you need tools that can probe at the atomic or nanometer scale levels. Mm. And, you know, in the future, we're hoping to utilize like quantum formation. And right now we're utilizing like memory storage technology and putting things on the cloud and things like that. And that all relies on this sort of like atomic scale technology. Is there a way to because it's uh, I mean, this is my ignorance coming out, but is the is the atom the smallest unit? Um, well, so the atoms are made up of um, electrons, protons, and neutrons. And then yeah. within that, you have quarks. And then within that, you have more subatomic particles. So um, mm. the answer is yes and no. Like, you can definitely see what an at- atomic structure looks like. You can just image it. It's just a structure. But the atom itself is made up of multiple smaller structures and smaller than oh. that and smaller than that. Yeah. But is there a way to, so you said we, 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 we through this discovery, through through understanding it more, we're able to make more efficient, more compact storage yeah. device, et cetera. But is there a way to condense this size? Like we, we as humans love manipulating things that we find. We're like, oh, wait, this is small. Let's make it smaller. So can we do that on an atomic level? Can we make more space between atoms? Or can we make atoms themselves smaller? Or can we make them more, uh, I don't know, the word is vibrate at a certain frequency? Can we manipulate its functionality so to benefit us and... Um, also kind of bend it to our will because that's what we like doing as as humans, right? And at some level, is that something we can leverage to transcend this planet, like space travel or interstellar travel or whatever? The, 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 right, the, right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, um, you know, making materials is sort of like uh, cooking. Like mm. you have a lot of different ingredients and you mix it together and you get the, these really this amazing meal. The same mm. thing happens when you take atomic structures. For example, you look at the periodic table, there's different elements. And uh, what you can do is you can take the elements together, you can like shake it up, and then now you have this material that is superconducting at room temperature, or you mm. have this material that is um, has this um, gigantic magnetic damping, which is great for making couplers between mm. uh, a quantum qubit and light because in order to utilize a quantum computer you need to um, take that quantum information and send it out to optical fibers like a quantum Mm. internet and so that's something that we could do we can make new materials that haven't existed in this universe what we can also do is for example take 
um, our material, um, such as two-dimensional materials, when you're talking about bending. So mm. two-dimensional material, because it's an atomic layer sheet, we can mm. put it on top of a substrate, and then we can actually bend it. And then as we're bending the material, we're actually changing its electronic uh, properties as well. Or we mm. can take a laser, shine light at it, and then we can vibrate the molecules. We can, instead of sh um, taking a laser and shine light, what we can do is um, we can take a um, like sort of uh, like a microwave resonator, kind of like the radio frequency, and then we can also vibrate that at different frequencies. So there's so many things that we can do to manipulate um, molecules. Because imagine um, you have these molecules sort of like on a string. What we can do is we can also just whack it, and we can whack it physically, or we can whack it with the uh, with a um, with a laser. We can whack it with different <laughs> material system, and then change everything like that. And so it will vibrate at different modes depending on how mm. hard or soft we whack it at. If that makes any sense. <laughs> I know. It, yeah, I mean, it's just that I, this is how you communicate with your colleagues every day, and I'm just like, hmm, interesting. I should spend a day. I'll just be totally lost. But I got the whacking um, part. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess, like, you know, I also um, do a lot of outreach to um, a lot of young people in the Midwest mm -hmm. and also around here. Like, we're we're in this, um, I live in actually Urbana, Illinois, which is surrounded by cornfields. And so, Where, sorry, I didn't um, get what, that. Um, I live in Urbana, Illinois. Oh, right. It's actually That's about, UIUC, like, two right. and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Two and a half hours away from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And um, I do a lot of outreach to, like, the middle schools around here. And mm. so in order to like convey these sort of high level concepts to um, middle schoolers, you have to use certain language so that yeah. they'll understand. Like I'm never going to use something um, sort of too far reaching. Yeah. And so I think I think that um, I think that in order to get people excited, you have to tell them what's important and tell them what's so cool about it. Um, mm. And I think that's really exciting because you know, we also need to get more young women into science, particularly more into physics, chemistry and material science, um, just because right. there has been just a lack of um, there's not it's, it, there's been a kind of a disparity in the genders due to that. So how did uh, I mean, I think that's it's interesting to know how you got into this space, because it is quite a niche uh, space. And it's one of those things which is fantastic from my understanding, my limited knowledge of it. I think what you've just explained is quite helpful in getting a better picture of what, you know, how to bridge that sort of really technical details to a daily application. But it even for someone who's in the space of physics or chemistry, um, it is a very sort of specialized corner, if you want to call it a specialized area, right? Yeah, um, so, I think that, I guess like for my origin story, um, when I was younger, I really wanted to be an astronaut. Um, mm. I uh, went to this talk by Sally Ride. She's like, she was the first American woman in space, mm. and she showed all these like awesome pictures of her in space station, like floating and traveling to space. And I thought it'd be really cool. Um, I think that people in my age group right now they're getting sent off to Mars, and I think that you know at that time they were motivating young children. Like, if you start now in science, you can be one of the first explorers to Mars, and this would be mm. awesome. This would be yeah. really exciting. Um, but then, you know, I went to college and I wanted to study physics. I realized that I didn't really, I wasn't really passionate about um, big things. I was actually really passionate about small things. Mm. 
Mm. And I think that at that time, it was sort of the rise in nanoscience, like nanoscience was getting really large and people were making all these discoveries and looking at very tiny things. And then mm. while I was an undergrad, um, the Nobel Prize was given in um, uh, for graphene, like it's a two dimensional material that's atomic layer thick. And I thought that would be really exciting to get into that field. And I think that once you and then when I apply for my PhD program, that's when you get really specialized. So um, and, and I guess um, I, you can't really plan your life. I sort of kind of stumble upon it based on things that I really like and things that mm. I felt was really interesting. And I, can, I guess that that's kind of how people sort of fell in love or fall in love. Like you kind of fall in love doing something that you just do and um, and you kind of, you, it kind of just happened. Like you can't plan for these things, like what yeah. you're passionate about. You can't say that, you know, I'm gonna plan this and that this is my passion for the rest of my life. Like nobody who says that has ever yeah. <laughs> that. Who knows, maybe like, on a universe, the universe had a design on an atomic level for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like fatalism, right? Yeah, sometimes yeah. I, sometimes I, I just wonder, um, you know, everything that happens to us and the people we interact with, like um, maybe it's, it'll be important in the future or maybe there's a reason for everything that happens and we just don't know why yet at the time. And You know, um, that's what, a very interesting thing because we always, when something in our so-called right and wrong, when something good or right happens, we never question it. But when something wrong happens, we're like, why didn't it happen? Why? And maybe we should sort of look at why things don't happen as a sign of maybe there is more work you need to put in there maybe you're not ready for something but we never we never question the wrong which happens to us as something that's right you know yeah i think i do think that like the wrong that happens to us will help us build resilience that will help us in the future that's mm. something that i know is a hundred percent true yeah um if we can get over it build a resilience then we sort of avoid future problems but we don't know what the future problems are because we can't predict the future. And yeah. even if they were going to be future problems, we avoided it. So we don't actually know what the heck happened. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that um, but there's always a lesson to be learned when something bad happens. Mm. The question is whether or not we're willing to learn and improve from that and move on. That's kind of like the big societal question. Like, can we learn from our past mistakes and move on so that we can better ourselves for the future? Nicely said. No, I'm, 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 so, I'm so, uh, it's so encouraging to hear people like you who are not just focusing on your, on, on, on something you, you really are, um, I think, going so much into detail and you're making a practical device that, that you and your team uh, developed and is out there for a much more clearer picture on the atomic level. And I, you know, you hear of these studies, which or you hear of these projects within Google, like Ray Kurzweil. I don't know if it's still on, but I heard read somewhere that he's doing the project for using nanotechnology to sort of maintain the body. And you have, you know, you know, say Neuralink, which is supposedly going to help with certain issues and brain disorders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And eventually, there is rumors that it's going to help with like nonverbal communication. And so, the, does the space you're in? At some point, because you said it is the smallest level, but yet the smallest level has the farthest impact. Um, so when you look at what you do look at, uh, you said something from Islamic art to maybe even the biology of a certain um, organism. Is there potential of what you are discovering uh, to be applied in these spaces? 
Um, it's currently being applied right now, right? Ooh, so, okay. um, yeah. So I think that um, with, you know, AI technology and the technology that we have, or just, you know, connecting that with human forms, we need to look at the interfaces between these two technologies. And so mm. at the interface, if you look at zoom down to um, the structural level, it's at the atomic level, no matter what, you know, because mm. we are all made up of atoms. And um, if something goes wrong at the atomic level, everything else goes wrong in the system. And so, um, and Google especially has invested a lot in quantum information. And that mm. is something that, you know, Google has a big, big market in. So, yeah. Mm. So when you say quantum, it's basically not the binary system that we know, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's ah. quantum information. Yeah, it's like mm. basically um, like the spin qubits. It's like that. Uh, so it's five dimensional. Is that what? No, maybe like quadrupole, like four bit type of system where you have like different spins and spins orientations and things like that. Yeah, it's crazy how in a matter of thirty years we've gone from the first personal computer to now where we're like, yeah, that's good and all, but <laughs> let's let's let's. And I think there's so much more. It's amazing to hear what you're doing, um, Kayla, because I think it's so important to people who have been, especially people who are listening, maybe in a more traditional Asian setup at home where they've forced science and engineering down their throat and they really don't want to do it because it's just almost such narrow-minded fields that are their opportunities. But hearing your story and also hearing about the work you're doing to encourage young women and young girls to get into the space because it doesn't have to only be, you know, because in India... Um, one of my guests who was on the podcast a week back uh, was talking, he's written a book called The Great Indian Obsession about how everyone is an engineer, but you really don't understand why you're becoming one. It's just sort of because someone says, okay, good, you're an engineer, validation granted. But what you do shows that it doesn't have to only be working for Tesla, making electric cars or working in an engineering company, making infrastructural projects or building dams, building roads, but it can be done on such a small level. There's so many nuances to it. So I think um, on behalf of everyone listening, and I think, potential engineers, physicists, scientists, chemists, whoever they may be. I think uh, I'd like to thank you for getting on the show and joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me. All the best and uh, good luck. And if there's anything you'd like to share for people to reach out to you and get in touch with you, I'd be, uh, you, you can mention that to them. Um, you can reach out to me. I have a personal website. There's my email. I think I have a Twitter page. It's like um, but I don't really check my Twitter that much. I also okay. have an Instagram, but I also don't really check my Instagram that much. So if right. you want to reach out to me, you can just send me an email. Um, I think that would be fine. Um, yeah. yeah. Any way they can connect to you on an atomic level. <laughs> <laughs> or or whatever. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, no, I, yeah. Uh, it, feel free to email me. I think that's probably the easiest. And then, you know, it's probably better to connect on a personal level. Like with society now, we're kind of making these broad connections, but never a deeper connection. And I think that, um, cause it takes time to make deeper connections with people. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. But it's worth um, it. It's worth it, yeah. And I think this was a lovely opportunity to connect as well and uh, do stay in touch. All the best for your research. And uh, yeah, I hope to get you back on the show when we are um, sitting on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, with Elon. Yeah. With Elon, yeah. Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.